Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So this, this is called the power of alignment. And I was having this revelation, uh, really, I was... Uh, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Can someone take a picture of that? That's, that's amazing. I mean, my levels of happiness just increased. Do you guys ever wake up in the morning and say, I, what, I wonder what would increase the levels of happiness in my life today? Do you guys ever do that? Some of you, it's just a nice, hot, flat white. Some of you, it's your wife will kiss over and say, you're the most amazing man I've ever met. I mean, that, that will increase my levels of happiness. My kids, when they hug me goodnight and kiss me and said, you're the best dad, that will Just think of the things all the time that will increase your levels of happiness. When I ask people that question, they blank stare at me. But that is pretty good right there. That could be wallpaper in my house. Maybe. The desert, the spine, some roses. A lion would have, you're right. If you could... See if we can get a line added to that. <laughs> All right, it's called the power of alignment. And so I only preach about what I'm going through. So this week was very interesting. I'm gonna read the scripture. And then, you know, I had a call with, uh, you know, Pastor Mike Connell and just to work some stuff out. And uh, it was a very interesting call. It was supposed to be a 30-minute call that went an hour and 10 minutes. So I just wanna let you know, we're good. We're good. If you don't know who Pastor Mike Connell is, I mean, really, he's... He's Pastor Jurgen Leanne's pastor. He's the heavy hitter and one of the greatest teachers on healing, deliverance, um, all the stuff most of the churches don't talk about. He is the authority in, to the point where every time one of my uncles who's a pastor rebukes me after they listen to my message, I just send them over to Mike Connell and then they come back and be like, oh man, I never knew that. Now you know that. <laughs> so if you ever wanna just board on a set, just Google, on YouTube, Pastor Mike Connell, and you'll be, it's like a wormhole. 12 hours of deliverance later, you're like, whoa! You look at people differently. Why is that guy shaking? No, anyways. So I wanted to, I'm gonna read this out of Philippians 4, two through three. So Paul's writing to the church of Philippi, pretty much for steadfastness, unity, and really from, he's writing from a place of joy. What's amazing is, he was wanting them to know that if they put their trust in Jesus, if they put Jesus at the center of their lives, that they will find true joy. What I love about this, he's, he's writing from jail. He's in a place where he's in lockdown, so he couldn't visit. So if you actually have, it's funny when you read this letter that he's writing to the church, he's writing it boldly. Like, if I got out here and just started calling out by name some stuff we're gonna work through, and I'm calling, hey, Michaela, we, we need to work some stuff out. Um, Esther, I've just noticed this. Uh, Alex, man, this week, rough week for you, bro. Uh, let's just talk about it. But, and they're reading this letter to the whole church. You would all start doing this, getting nervous. 
I really need to talk to Werner about some stuff, so I'm gonna do it right now. So Werner, I know you're making a big decision. No, so, but that's what was happening as Paul was writing this, this, this letter to the church. He's just calling out people by name, saying, hey, this is our issue. Aren't you grateful? You know, we're in a church, we're not really doing that. But I think we should, on some level, call each other into our best life. And from this context, you know, Paul wasn't worried about people leaving the church. There was only one church per town. So if you got all tweaked about my message, you could just go across the highway here and there's a church right across the street. It's so easy for us today just to keep church hopping when we get uncomfortable. Not back then. You're not gonna wake up and take a mule or a donkey, a two-day ride for a church. You're leaving on Friday to get there to Sunday just to get rebuked at that church. I'm like, man, I should have saved that donkey fuel and just stayed here. The church is the church. This is where we get to sharpen one another. But let me read this. Verse two. Now, I appeal to Eurodia and whatever this other name is. I mean, can someone just tell me how to pronounce that? Anybody want to give it a chance for $5? Yeah. I mean, I even got phonetic on it, and it just got worse. So this is my buddy, Sen. Two women. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. Means they were in church preaching the gospel, doing the work alongside of Paul. And he's saying, can you two women get along? They worked along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are all written in the book of life. These are believers. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you could ever understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. How many want a little bit of that peace? And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and receive from me everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the, Lord, the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. We live in such a world where there's chaos and not a lot of peace. I need us to learn what it's like to get some peace in our life. And so this, uh, what would this message be? This message would be on the upper scale of Christian maturity. Meaning that all of us, this is, this is stretching some of us. This is, some of us are gonna be like, whoa, whoa, what's he going, what's he doing? But I wanna let you know, as we go into Shredder Sunday, one, forgiveness is huge. But this is really, if we want, we're in the series of Wonderful Life. And if we wanna live a wonderful life, we want to have peace and joy in our life. Tis the season to be joyful, but you're walking around with a bunch of scrooges. And if you didn't come to Twisted, you don't know how to get untwisted. So this is going to help you today. 
The goal, what's the goal? The objective is to reveal where we are as people and how we're leaking joy. How do, we, how do we stay topped off with joy? So my goal is to help us expose where we may be leaking joy, as a chiropractor would say, where you're subluxated. <laughs> if you don't know what that word means, you want me to help you? Yes. Latin, sub is below, lux is light, asian is the state of, it's the state of less light. When you're out of alignment, when you're subluxated, you have less light. You're called to be the light of the world. So I need to help us get unsubluxated today so we can bring the light of the world, which is bringing joy to the world by sharing the gospel. If you don't have your own light, you're not overflowing and that fresh anointing's dripping off you that people could tell there's something about you. How do we get in that place? That's the objective is to get to that place where people wanna be around you because they feel magnetized to you. And how does that happen? When you have the joy of Christ on the inside of you. But I grew up around a bunch of bah humbug Christians that would go to church, they would quote scripture at me, but they were not walking in freedom. They had religion. I'm not bringing you a message of religion. I want the word in you. I don't want you to get so locked up you forget what freedom and joy look like. So the goal is how do we stop leaking joy? How do we get back into power and authority and locate the deception and replace it with truth? That's the goal. Why? When corrected, we can live a life in alignment and receive all blessings, all authority and power while we're living in this life. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. And don't worry, we're gonna back it up here in a minute. And then how do we do it? How do we do it is through understanding, revelation, and most importantly, taking action. You guys picking up what I'm putting down today? Okay, I'm not, okay, we'll get there. You know, doctor means teacher. You know, and if people aren't really picking up what I'm putting down, I see no fruit change in their life. So I can teach all day long, but it isn't until they apply what I'm teaching you see transformation. And that means they have to have the revelation. Some of us are pain-driven, some of us are pleasure-driven, but I don't care which one you are, but don't be in so much pain, you have to wait till your life sucks for you to let Jesus in there so you can walk it out. You can make that decision today, like, all right, Jesus, I'm giving you full authority over my life. When you're under his anointing, when you're in alignment with Christ, guess what? He releases power and authority. He gives you power and authority. But most Christians don't walk in power and authority because they're so broken with the understanding and revelation of what joy looks like, what peace looks like. But if we can get back into alignment, remove that subluxation, walk in that light, be the type of Christian that is sharing the gospel in agreement with your brother and sister, guess what? Your life will be forever changed. A lot of it has to do with inner conflict with brothers and sisters in the church. Listen, we might never get along with people in the world because we don't even have the right philosophical value structure of the same. But our goal is to introduce them to the gospel so they can get in realignment with how they were created and designed. So the same is true for pastors. So as a pastor, this is the goal. So there's a story, I, I love this story. It's about six men who were stranded on a deserted island. Two were Jewish, two were Catholic, and two were Baptist. You guys heard this story? It's very important. The two Jews got together and they founded the temple, Emmanuel. The two Catholics established the church of the holy name. And the two Baptists formed two Baptist churches and got into a huge squabble. 
And they were trying to figure out who got to use the name First Baptist. I was raised Baptist, so I can say that. So if you've never had a wonderful experience of having a conflict with someone in church, God bless you. You're what I call a unicorn. You know, and it's probably either because you are a new believer or you've just never served anywhere at the church. I was going to have you raise your hand because I want to meet you, but... I just guarantee this, if, you've got, if you do get involved, you will have a conflict with another Christian at some point. So I wanna work that out today. Anybody with me? Can we work this out? I love it. I love that we're all holy and we think so idealistically that you know we're all filled with the Holy Spirit here. We all live by the Bible. We read the word. We have no conflicts. That is idealistic, but I will tell you, that's not realistic. Uh, I love this quote. To dwell above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with the saints we know, that's a different story. (laughs) So this week, pretty much, I had to get counseled by the OG, Pastor Mike Connell. It was very interesting. So I just want to share with you three things I learned in that hour and 10 conversation. I love it because um, I started laughing near the end of it. And he goes, you know what, Dr. Matt? I love you. You're just receiving it. Never waste a good crisis. I said, no problem. I'm preaching on it this Sunday. (laughs) See, what the enemy meant to be a stumbling block, God will use for a stepping stone. Never be ashamed of what you've walked through, where you've been, what you're going through. Shove it to the devil. You know how you do it? Don't let it be a stumbling block and then get you taken out of church, get you taken out of a relationship, get you taken out of serving, using that as a stepping stone to build something on the inside of you that you never knew was in there. Give God the glory in it. So pretty much my wife and I went through what I would say, mm, someone offending us. And, you know, someone we care about, but someone offending us, and uh, we were talking about it, and I was pretty much Mr. Positive. I said, what would Jesus do? (laughs) Water off a duck's back. So what I was doing was my positive self going, babe, why are you worried about it? It's water off a duck's back. And she, you know, was taking a little bit more personal, and she was trying to tell me, uh, no, I'm not, it's not cool. We got to deal with this, blah, blah, blah. She was going off on her stance. I'm like, babe, don't be sensitive. Let's just, you know what? Give some grace to them. Just forget about it. Who knows what they're walking through? And she was holding her line, and it was annoying. I said, I said, quit being so negative. How many know that's not a good thing? And then I took out the, you know, the Santa app, like we all do as parents, and then we scan our kids. I'm like, you're on the naughty list. Get up and clean your room. So then I just scanned her. I'm like, look, you're freaking naughty, and I need you to change your attitude. Be a pastor, people want to follow, okay? What? I'm throwing myself under the bus, okay? So pretty much, um, I just thought she was being a little harsh, and she was being stubborn, and she just didn't want to move past it. I'm like, whatever. I don't have time for this. 
And I'm trying to be positive. So then after, you know, sharing with Mike Connell the story and the offense and, you know, you try to do in life with people you love and then you get stabbed in the back, you know, how do you process it? And yeah, Pastor Mike, you know, my wife, you know, I just go to the word and I feel like I'm good. I don't know what my wife's doing. Maybe you should talk to her. And he's like, oh, hmm, yeah. So just to let you know, what you're talking about is really good theory that you have, but it's not biblical. I'm like, what do you mean it's not biblical? Tell me where Jesus said, just be positive. And I'm like, turn the other cheek. Well, you did turn the other cheek, but why are you disempowering your wife that she can't have this emotion? And actually, she is biblically correct. I can't wait to hear this. Can't wait to hear this. Then he went on to explain these three points about how my wife is biblically correct and I was just being ethereal. So I got the smack down by a pastor this week. I humbled myself, I repented, I came home, I talked to Michaela, I apologized. And we got on the same page and we got into alignment. Because even in the moment, I didn't feel, it was a little painful to hear from a pastor where I was being a jack wagon. But I have a greater fear of the Lord because I know if I'm not in alignment with my bride, God can't command a blessing. And I'd rather be in alignment even as I walk out the thinking of called the revelation because I don't wanna be out of God's blessing. I don't wanna be out of his power and authority that he's given me. I don't wanna be over here sucking my thumb trying to get all the answers until I figure it out. I just said, okay, I'll repent. If, if Pastor Mike Connell's giving me a revelation that I have a blind spot and I'm being too positive, which I didn't know was a thing, <laughs> And it wasn't about being positive. It was just about working it out with my wife instead of disempowering my wife, trying to prove she's being negative, which she wasn't. She was being biblical. And I just wasn't seeing biblical because I didn't like her energy. So I just needed to get over myself. And I took off my shirt that said, good vibes only. And I laid it down. And I put on my shirt that said, forgiven. So we got into alignment because kingdom alignment releases blessing and favor with God and gives you back authority. I want everyone in here to understand that God's given you authority. And if you feel like you've lost authority, where have you been maybe out of alignment? Maybe with your spouse, maybe with a brother and sister in this church. You don't have to be in alignment with the world, but as brothers and sisters in this church, it's so important that we get it right. How do we do life together? How do we do business together? How do we? And so many people think they can be living out of alignment and still be blessed. I wanna tell you, you won't be. And if you wanna talk about it later, we can. I'm not trying to tweak you, but you are in denial. Mike Connell's like, you are in denial, Dr. Matt. I love your heart that you just wanted to forgive these people, which you did, but forgiving people doesn't make you make your wife wrong. 
And so in that, I just realized I gotta make sure that we get biblical correction on how we work together and we don't leave the church, we don't get offended, we don't do conflict, we just we pretend and brush it over with positivity or I love my brother, you're forgiven. No, we gotta work it out biblically, this is how we do it. It's about resolving conflict with one another so we could stay under what God has for us in our life. You guys with me? So number one, resolving conflict takes work. See, it's never easy. It's always easier to avoid it. We have the, the, we're built in really the tendency to shrink from confrontation. I call it carefrontation. But we feel anxious about how other peoples will take it if we're not sure if it will escalate the conflict. So you come to church, you might get offended, you might get tweaked, but then we don't talk to our brother or sister about it. We go talk to other people about it, which is unbiblical. We go and try to build our case against what happened with that other brother or sister. But that's not what the New Testament's trying to do. See, the New Testament times, they didn't have that option, like I said, because there was only one church. You can't just bail. We have to recognize that there's a commitment that you're willing to make to get it right with one another. If we're gonna build a big church, then guess what? We gotta build big people. We have to learn how to be resilient and not let conflict get brushed under the carpet, pretend it's not there, and think we're going to go on building something supernatural. God can't put his super on this natural unless we're in alignment, unless we're in agreement with one another. And the faster we can learn how to come to the altar, how to pray with one another, how to get over offense, the faster God can use this to do radical things. From a leadership perspective, Pastor Jurgen, man, they know how to work it out with us. And I know it's why there's continual favor, continual blessing, and we're not gonna lose that. But as we get bigger, we gotta get smaller. We're campuses now. And if I can't lead you well in this area, it will affect the whole growth of everything in this area. If I want North County to be blessed, I want us to be able to be the church that can work big things out together that we can walk under that power and authority, that we can be quick to repent, that we can be quick to come to the altar, that we just don't put on our masks so we don't pretend everything's okay and we pretend we got it all together. We got to understand that it takes work. Number two is, if it has to be, it's up to me. Meaning, in Matthew 18, 15, they were talking about correcting another believer. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense, Jesus says. And if the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. That takes a lot of work. And then again, in Matthew 5, 23 through 24, it says, so if you were presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come here and offer your sacrifice to God. So you might be in the middle of prayer and have a little aha moment. Pretty much the Bible is saying, stop in that moment and go get it right. If there's another dude at men's prayer, quit praying for blessing. God's like, man, I wanna bless you. I just gave you some homework to do. You're sitting here praying about what you need and I'm giving you a little drop right there that there's something in there. Stop, walk over to that brother, get it right, and then go get that blessing. Let's get in the right order, the right alignment. You can't be up here already. You're jumping me, bro. 
preach faster. But see, here the situation is reversed in that your brother has something against you, yet in both situations, it is so important that you take the initiative to go to your brother or sister. If you're in it, be the first one to go. If you're in something, you be the first one to go. That's probably the hardest thing for me. I'm waiting for my wife too many times. Lord, convict her. Lord, I'm gonna wait right here. I'm waiting for that, I'm sorry, kiss. You know how that was working out for me? It's not. That's why I'm preaching on it. See, many relational problems in churches would be quickly resolved if we would follow the simple guideline to take the initiative and in going to the other person to clear it up, whatever the issue is. One common mistake, or it's actually a sin, just so you know, I don't wanna... I don't want to lighten up. It is a sin to carry an offense against a brother or a sister. I don't want to minimize it to make you feel better, but I don't want you to make you feel bad. I just, this is a call to action. It is a sin to hold an offense to one another. For the one who feels wrong to talk to many others about the person who is wrong rather than going directly to the person, it's fine to go to a mature spiritual leader who could be trusted in the confidences in order to gain their wisdom and discernment and how to approach that person who has wronged you. But it's not okay to talk to several others. This is gossip, slander, and compounds the problem. When you go, if you go, before you go, my four little revelations. If it's a personal wrong, meaning someone sinned against you or something to offend you, or it's a personal class, the person that just rubs you the wrong way. Anybody have those? Yeah. Number three, it could be a methodology difference. You don't agree with how they're doing something. Or the fourth way, it's a doctrinal difference. And most commonly, it's a combination of all those things. It's maybe personal, was personally wrong, just the methodology, it's a doctrinal difference. It doesn't matter. Whatever your justification is, just go tell them and work it out. I'll buy the first coffee. I really will. If you're new, I'll give you a free one anyways. I'll give you a second free one just to make up for the first free one that you had to use on this offense thing. I just find that Christians label problems as like doctrinal differences because it sounds more spiritual, which drives me crazy. Like just say, I have a problem. You don't have to get Spiro on me. Let's just get it right. Because I want you to be in alignment so your life can work better, so you can be blessed. I just don't want us to be insensitive that doesn't mean you go in and start knocking down doors and. There's a way to do it. James 4, 7 says, so humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Some of us need to kick the devil out of our relationships, the devil out of our business. Doesn't mean you don't fire people. Just you gotta go talk to them about the turmoil. Get it right in your business. Remind yourself of the goal. Be of the same mind in the Lord, the Bible says. Paul used it in verse two, being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one person, one purpose. Paul doesn't mean that we're all supposed to think alike. He just wants you to get it right in your differences and don't be fractured all the time. Don't go in with an accusing spirit. 
One time I asked a friend to bring some chairs to men's prayer at my house. We had like 50 running at my house. It was never good for my marriage, but it was good for, good for prayer. But I like, and I said, hey man, can you get some chairs? And it was just one of those weeks. And when he came, he came up to the door. I'm like, hey, did you bring the chairs? He didn't. I got off oh, figures. Oh, and then he left. He didn't even come to men's prayer. And then he didn't talk to me for like two weeks. Finally, I call him up like, bro, where have you been? Why'd you leave men's prayer? Well, yeah, because I didn't bring the chairs. And you said, oh, go figures. I said, bro, had nothing to do with you. I just said, yeah, it figures because everything had gone to hell that week and the devil was busting me. It was just one more thing. Your filter took it as personal. And by the way, all you had to do is tell me or ask me, what do you mean by that? And I would have saved you leaving men's prayer where I know you need breakthrough. Bro, you've been carrying a fence against me for two weeks. That's why you haven't been coming. Because I said two words that triggered an insecurity or whatever it is. Man, I am sorry. I would have said I'm sorry weeks ago. Had nothing to do with you. I was just ticked at the devil. You never know what someone means unless you ask them, what did that mean? If something tweaks you, just go, hey, what did you mean by that? You might walk away and it doesn't settle right with you. Then come back and ask me, Dr. Matt, you said this, it's been bugging me all day. What'd you mean by that? And I will help you interpret what I meant like that because all I want you to do is win in life. I want my friends to win in life. I want my church to win in life. I want people to win. If I say something that tweaks you, then your filter took it that way because I want to build you up, not tear you down. But if we can change our filter and believe that people want the best for us, and if you don't feel that, then ask them. You have not because you, let's start being the church that we can ask better questions. Last thing I wanna give you, point three, is get something with, you gotta find someone with fruit in the conversation. That's why we believe in connect groups. That's why I want you on teams that you're serving on because you have a leader that has fruit in their life. We're not putting people in leadership that don't have fruit. And if they have fruit, go ask them. If you don't know how to work it out, like I'm new to all this, I usually punch people in the face, what do I do? I'll be like, well, if you could not punch them, that'd be great, let me help you. There's a couple different options we have. It's, oh, no one's thought like that? Okay. Here's what you look for. The outside party should be mature. Mature in their Christianity. Galatians 6.1 says, you who are spiritual, meaning that is who's spiritually mature. Number two, the outside party should be objective. Number three, the outside party should be open, direct, and truthful. Nobody was more direct than Paul. He told you how it was. Like sometimes we're so careful to tiptoe around not to offend anyone, we end up being vague, which brings confusion. And the devil loves it. The devil loves to have a confused church. The devil loves when you're just vague because you don't wanna hurt their feelings. And then confusion sets in, they think one thing and you meant another, and they go on living their life. And then one day they hear the church, they're like, what just happened? Paul, go read Paul. Go read the letters that he wrote. Do a deep dive. Like every time he's like, boom, boom, boom. He even ticked off Barnabas. He had a little conflict with Mark. But you know what? He never spoke ill about them. 
He just went separate ways with them, but he still edified them in spirit. You might not always agree with somebody, but you don't have to badmouth them. I'm just trying to give you shredder material for next week. Is it helping? It's helping me. I don't know. I mean, and number four, the outside party should be affirming and positive where possible. Paul didn't scold or berate these women. He, he affirmed them by mentioning them how he shared in their struggle. It's all for the gospel. My last point is, the goal of this is to be re redemptive, not judgmental. Jesus came not to judge, but to, to save. We don't need to be many Holy Spirits and try to point out each other's flaws. Our job is how can redeem one another back to Jesus? Put Jesus in the middle, how do I know there's joy? If you have no conflicts in your life, let me tell you how joyful you are. When my wife and I are getting along, can I tell you something? There's a lot of joy in my life. The minute my wife and I have a little uh-uh, there's not a lot of joy. I've wanted to drop her off on the side of the road before, but because I have a spirit of self-control, I don't which is built into spiritual maturity. I'm glad you guys are all perfect, but I'm just telling you the truth. I leave you with this, two things. Lord Nelson, I love it. He was a famous leader in the 1800s. I love history. Lord Nelson, he was a British Royal Navy leader, a captain of the Royal Navy. And in the middle of this battle, he had an unconventional leadership there was two of, his, two of his main officers that were fighting on the deck in front of all these other people. And he grabbed them. He whipped them around, he pointed to the enemy ships and he exclaimed, gentlemen, there are your enemies. Knock it off. Lead us to victory. Don't ever forget who your enemy is. There's the devil that wants to get us inside, divided, wants to get us all chewed up in our marriage, wants to get us all chewed up with our kids, wants us to get all chewed up with our believers, our brothers and sisters. We're just trying to serve to get 300 and something salvations, yet we're tired, we've been here, we've been setting up, we've been tearing down, we're doing things. People agitate us. Well, let's get it right. Shred some stuff on Shredder Wednesday. If you don't know how to get over it, then shred it. God will give you the revelation. He wants his kids to get along. I don't want my two boys knocking each other out. I want them to toughen one another up. Sharpening one another like iron sharpens iron, but I don't want them tearing each other down. We gotta get this right. We gotta preach about it. Where else would I say it? Psalm 133 says this, and it, it, it just talks about, you know, if we're in alignment, we bring this blessing, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. In Psalm 133, it says, see how good and pleasing it is for brothers to live together as one. It's like oil of great worth poured on the head, flowing down through the hair onto the face, even, uh, even the face of Aaron and flowing down to his coat. It is like the morning water of Hermon coming down upon the hills of Zion for the Lord has given the gift of life that lasts forever. He's here to bless us. We wanna be in a flow. We wanna be under that anointing. I wanna be the type of church, man, we walk in and we have joy. 
The minute we pull into the parking lot, we're just getting stuff right. We're taking inventory every morning, maybe in our devotional, whatever it is. You go to your connect group, someone's just figure out where you're getting rubbed and let's get it done with. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna ask you two questions. Are you at odds with anyone in your family? Even your church family? If so, what do you have to do to resolve the problem? The answer isn't just move churches, move towns, move cities. How do we need to resolve it? Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And more importantly, the second question is, am I involved with the work of the gospel? What does that mean? What's your part in this whole role? If it was all about going to heaven, listen, you'd give your life to Jesus and then you'd be in heaven the next minute. It's not, God has us here for a reason. God has us working out our own salvation. He wants you to know that yes, he's your savior, but he's also your Lord. He wants you to walk in his favor, his blessing, his light, his joy. He wants you to live your best life. It's not supposed to be just a cliche tagline. Are you living in that place and how are you working out the gospel? If you know Christ, you're already on the team. If you know Christ, you're already in the game. There's no bench warmers when you're a believer. God's gifted you to do something towards the cause of the gospel. And my question to you is, what's your cause in the gospel for the gospel? Where are you today? This message, I hope just over the next couple of weeks, you'll start to chew on it and find out where you need to get in realignment. But if you just need prayer for that today with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to lift your hand because I'm gonna pray for us right now. If you feel like you just need to get in some alignment, where is God trying to bring you into alignment? Come on, thank you for all those hands. Hands up everywhere, man. That's amazing. God wants to bring alignment to your life. God, I just want us to stand to our feet. Stand to our feet right now. I'm gonna have you put your hand over your heart because really God's gonna have to really just do some healing in our hearts. I've seen miracles in this church. I've seen radical, radical things happen. Marriages that no one said would make it are thriving. People that were sick all the time, guess what? It was just because they had inner conflict and when they got the inner conflict right, I watched their body get healed. We're all connected. Heavenly Father, God, you see the hands that were raised and God, I just ask, Lord, that you heal our hearts in this season. That, God, you heal our minds, that we can get out of some negative patterns that we've created towards people. God, these things that used to trigger us, God, take every trigger from us in the name of Jesus. God, give us strength to overcome some things that have really hurt us. God, highlight in this season what we need to get down on our paper. We don't have to wait till Shredder Wednesday. We could shred it today at the altar. God, as you bring healing, as you bring restoration, as you bring revelation, God, how to apply this in our life, Lord, that we won't walk out of here with a head knowledge, but God, we walk out of here totally transformed by the renewing of our mind. And God, I thank you for that power, the power to be healed. 
God, I thank you, Lord, that you're our Savior. And those that don't know Jesus today, I invite you to know Jesus. You know where you're at. But if you don't know that your home is heaven, if you haven't invited Jesus into your heart and said, Jesus, I, I need you in my heart. I need to be healed. Jesus just needs an invitation. That's it. It's not about raising your hand. That's just so we know who to pray for and who to give a Bible to. But guess what? John's down here. Come get a Bible. If you know you need Jesus, I'm going to say a prayer and I want the whole church to repeat it after me. If you know you've said, you've never said this prayer, I need you to understand that heaven is a real thing. Eternity is forever. There is an eternity and there's only two places we're going. It's biblical. There is a heaven, there is a hell. And the only key is Jesus. God created you in his image. He sent his son to die on the cross for us. He sent his son to die for us because we all sin and we all fall short. That's what the Bible says. Nobody in this house is perfect. Not your pastors, not your connect leaders. Nobody's perfect. We're all working this thing out, my friends. And as we're working it out towards his righteousness, seeking first the kingdom, it's a journey. But the one thing I know is those that say, Jesus, I need you in my heart, guess what? He will help you along the way. And your life still might not be perfect, but guess what? It is telling you that, you're he that heaven is your home, that your eternity is secure. And that, my friends, is worth this prayer right now. Just knowing that heaven, you got eternity secure right now. That your name, as you say this prayer, is written in the book of life. Because as you stand before the Lord, that book will be open, looking for your name. Did you make that decision? I need Jesus in my heart. And if you say yes today, that name is written in. There's a party in heaven today for those that confess this prayer. It's so important we get this right. You don't have to bring your friends to church. You can just have them pray this prayer when you meet them. I don't know when Jesus is coming. The Bible says it's coming soon. But it says no man will know the end. I'm not sitting here gonna put fear to get fear because it goes against my DNA. Fear shouldn't get you into heaven. Hope should. Joy should. Everlasting life should. The excitement of what God's gonna bring into your life. And the more that you're discipleable, coachable, the faster you're gonna see good fruit in your life. So let's say this prayer together. You guys ready? Come on, here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sin. Today, I choose life. I choose you. Jesus, thank you for saving me. And may the rest of my life be the best of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.